So what are you guys excited for outside of Kill Team since we're in a Kill Team desert and there's been no news outside of tournaments? Is there something outside of Kill Team that you guys are excited for? Epic. Yeah, Epic. I'm okay. yeah, pretty excited for Epic. Yeah, supposedly uh, next month. Yeah. I mean, like, it's really, you know, a good chance to make a, what, six and a half by four inch board and play Kill Team. So. yeah <laughs> probably you could see that oversized scales so you both like epic and that's what you're most excited about this entire summer i mean like as far as like tabletop stuff you know yeah, i mean just in general just in uh, gen- it doesn't have to be tabletop i mean like i'm i'm looking forward to hopefully getting up to portland and seeing some concerts i mean like portland's always a good concert okay know, scene um a lot of a lot of good bands coming through um i think i just missed conan which they're amazing um I don't know if you're into heavy metal, but they're like probably the heaviest band out there right now. Okay. Uh, they kind of sound like if like a obsidian obelisk was falling on you and you were like barely holding it up as it slowly crushes you over like six to ten minutes. <laughs> uh, Sounds amazing. It is. It's incredible. Uh, very, very moody, atmospheric, heavy. Yeah, especially if you're getting crushed by an obelisk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Greg? I mean, I don't have too much. Too much super exciting going on. I, you know, I have two young kids, so most of my free time is just spent with them. Um, honestly, the the highlight of of um, the last month or so, aside from Tacoma, was I just finished building a large Lego fire truck with my four year old son. So sweet, nice. For me, I'm excited to try the Raisin Canes in Northridge, though I don't think I'm actually going to try to make my way out there because it just seems like a mess whenever they have a new restaurant that opens. Okay. <laughs> yeah, raising canes. We we had that uh last night after uh after our trip down to San Diego when we played in a tournament SummerSlam. Um some of the best chicken fingers out there. Consistent as hell. Consistent. I don't that's care what, what anybody we we're talking says. about. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's like all they do, right? It's like chicken fingers. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean they do have a sandwich now, but yeah. They also have a bomb. They also have some really nice um They also have some really nice like uh, sweet tea. Yeah. So I will say what I'm most excited for this summer is the announcement that Kitchen Hell's uh, no Kitchen Nightmares Kitchen Nightmares with Chef Ramsay is finally coming back. That's like a part of my childhood, and I cannot wait. Reality TV has to come back because you know, uh, you know, there's uh, a, a ton, strike, yeah, a writer strike. So I mean, Kitchen I, I, Nightmares is like the best reality TV. It is. Like, I just can't, I, I can't, ex- I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I, I love Chef Ramsay. We can be idiot sandwiches now while watching the show. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So exciting. Have you seen the person that runs their YouTube channel? Like the way that they title stuff? Um, it's so good. Like, it's so good. Media geniuses. Absolutely. Whoever's running their YouTube PR, like absolute social media master. There's only a few people that I would be that I would be starstruck over. Chef Ramsay is one of them, for Sorry. sure. Who else? Um, probably Mel Gibson. All right, Mel Gibson. Yeah, he's not a great person, but um, he can, man, I like his I like his the movies. Man can make movies. I'll give the you man that. can make movies, and the man can shoot lethal weapon guns. 
<laughs> I'm not going to lie. You know? Fair, fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much else better to say about him, you know? But, you know, like, the man can act, too. You Lethal know? weapon so. or kindergarten cop? <sighs> we were recently actually having a discussion, and I think we all came to a consensus. It's Kurt Russell up in the Pacific Northwest. Like, Kurt Russell? That's Kurt your guy up there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, come on. Snake Plissken? Yeah. Like, he was in uh, Les Mis, wasn't he? And then They Live, or not They Live, yeah, They Live. Uh, no, that was Rowdy Rowdy Piper. No. Yeah, Kurt Russell's, yeah. um... Kurt Russell's, uh, the thing. He's, he's a oh, badass. The, the, the Gladiator, right? That was his, one of his movies that I can remember. No, 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 that's, that's Russell Crowe. Crow. Ah, yeah, that's, that's why I'm getting it thrown off. I've, I've, I haven't heard great things about Russell Crowe, you know, oh, like, as a person. He was in Cocaine Bear recently. Was he? I, I never saw that movie. <laughs> if I remember right before. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember watching that. I th- was it him? I could be getting it wrong, honestly. At this age, everyone's looking kind of the same when they get old <laughs> or their Fair names enough. just blend in my head and I don't remember anymore. Fair enough. Um, well, welcome to the Squad Games podcast. You never know when the Squad Games podcast is going to start. Uh, today we have Giacomo, my main man. We have Greg and we have Tyler from KTC, uh, Kill Team Cascadia up in Portland, the Portland and uh, Oregon and Seattle area. How you how you fellas doing? Real good. Yourself? Doing great. I'm doing great. Doing yeah. great. And of course, we want to quickly mention our affiliate, Frontline Gaming. So if you're looking to go to any Frontline Gaming events, or if you're looking to buy any product from them, uh, we get a kickback ourselves. You use our affiliate link, and that really helps support the show. And of course, if you want to support the show in a different way, we also have Patreon. And I want to now thank our patrons. Thank you so much for doing what you do behind the scenes and allowing us to continue bringing you this type of content. All right. We're here to mostly talk about um Tacoma so uh you know I've met Tyler back at LVO uh we stayed in contact and um then y'all went up to you guys had a had an event series that led up to Tacoma how did that go it was incredible um like the yeah. level of play from basically the beginning of March to right before Tacoma like one week up it was like what we saw in March to what we saw in Tacoma was completely different. Yeah. Better, better than we could have hoped for, you know, we just, uh, you know, we're really big on, on building community and, you know, getting people to play games and have fun and just the quality of, of the players that have um, come to our events has just gone up and up. And yeah, I mean, cats, cats friggin' killed it at Tacoma. So it was great. How many, um, how many, tournaments have you guys ran up to Tacoma and how many are you guys planning to do the rest of the year? Have you guys thought that far? So I think we're planning to do, we're going to kind of wrap up our season. Our first event was last like October, right at the end of it. Like we called it kill scream. It's kind of Halloween themed. We had, a, <laughs> uh, we had our first like competitive event and then a little narrative one, which the narrative one kicked our ass. It was a lot of fun, uh, but it was difficult. And so we're going to wrap it up like one year for our season. And then we're going to kind of shift themes for our next season. I think uh, leading back up to kill scream three, you know, kill, like a kill bad scream three. Yeah. It's going to be like a bad, bad horror movie series. 
Nice. I like that. I like that. It's like uh, Jason never dies. Kill team never dies, right? Absolutely. Uh, but I think <laughs> yeah. we've had, so uh, I think it's going to be our seventh, eighth tournament coming up uh, here in September 9th. Um, and we're looking at 24 people right now. But if it sells out fast, we may expand that. Okay, cool. Well, that's quite the community out there. You guys are doing it in that Shiv, at Shiv Games, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Jeff has been awesome. Uh, you know, one of the things that we like about Jeff is that uh, he wants to not only like build community, but he wants to help people. So we do all of our events as charity events. Um, in the process, we've raised over two thousand five hundred dollars for a couple different charities um, at our events, and then given away over two hundred pieces of non-perishable food. Um, and Jeff has been a, a partner in matching a lot of what we raised um, to be able to hit those. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really big numbers too, you know, especially for kill team being, you know, a pretty niche game. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely growing in the mainstream though. I mean, that's one reason why we are seeing so much, uh, attention towards kill team. I think that, uh, games workshop games workshop definitely saw how popular the last edition was and really is kind of pushing it. And since Warhammer's going more mainstream, I definitely see, uh, kill team following route uh you also if you guys ever look at all of the um youtube personalities who talk about games and do all that kind of stuff they usually have a kill team box in the background so um it's pretty fascinating to see where where this game that we all love is kind of going and i'm excited for the future it's in a good direction <clears throat> yeah Absolutely. i think the game's in a great state right now um like even cults, like as bad as they are, aren't like the worst, you know, like it could be a lot worse. We could mm. have what <laughs> happened in 40k ninth edition, you know, like just repeatedly, like cycling through codex release, broken teams, one after another. Yeah. I, I think that I would mostly agree with you. Um, currently, I definitely think that uh, Games Workshop is hopefully working on a fix for some of the problem teams in our game. Um, but I definitely think they are a problem. I know that, you know, Cultist showed their ugly face at Tacoma and didn't win it for the first time, which is kind of funny that we have to say that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, I, I think that Cultists are a, an immense problem, an immense problem. Uh, and I look forward to them getting, uh, the, the God emperor coming in and nerfing the shit out of them. <laughs> you know, we, were, we were just talking about this, um, this morning with Alex, um, Alex Popov. And, um, he was saying, what if you used your cultists as resources to have your other cultists upgrade and mutate? So this way you still keep your 15 and, um, well, really specifically for the torments. So that way, when you're upgrading a mutant to a torment, you still have to kill one of your models. So you sort of have to keep them alive, and you don't want to play recklessly with them. Mm. Like you have to sacrifice them, basically, mm -hmm. to uh, upgrade them. That's dope. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. And, it's, and it would solve kind of like the the wounds thing because you're eating wounds from one thing and giving it to this. So I wouldn't feel too salty when it suddenly goes from like three wounds to uh, now I'm at sixteen or whatever the amount was, and then you have to try to deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you could have a maximum of three torments and a maximum of like 
I don't know, seven mutants or something like that. Uh, that could be a fix. You know what I mean? Like there are so many ways to fix this game, to fix this team, but there's also like so many ways to make them completely unplayable. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, I think they're a really strong team and I really like the flavor of them and whatever games workshop decides to do, hopefully they don't get rid of that thing that makes them special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Their uh, uniqueness. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. He, the, yeah. The, the flavor of the team, the, you know, the diversity of the model range, like it's really cool that, yeah, they just need to be to the point where they're good, but not oppressive. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a tirade here. Um, we definitely, we, we, on, on this podcast <laughs> for the past, like the paths, like two months, two months, we definitely have a, a recurring team pop up that we like to talk about and how to fix them. And that would be warp coven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Alexander Popov, he's our local, uh, you know, Zinch, uh, guru. Um, everything that he does is Zinch and he's won so many raffles cause he praised Zinch and you know, he, he just blesses him with, with winning raffle tickets. Um, but, uh, he said something in the car that really, I was like, wow, that might be able to fix them. I want to see what you guys think. Um, so games workshop keeps trying to make rubrics work and rubrics suck. They're just not good. No matter what they do, they're never going to be. They're just like secondhand space marines. You know, they're, they, there's nothing that they've done to make anything about them interesting. Um, like all is dust. Okay, cool. Like who's going to shoot a space marine with less AP? So on and so forth. Phobos. Uh, well, yeah. But and like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of teams that would do it. But in the end, you're still not seeing all of dust, all is dust helping the team at all. It's, it's just not an interesting mechanic. Uh, he played Felgor at this event. You beat me. And he, we, we were talking about it and he said, what if we, what if you made Zangor's 10 wounds? Just that simple, that simple change to make him on the same level as Beastman. And I was like, that could be a really interesting fix. Just buff the Zangors. I think that's a simple and elegant fix, honestly. I mean, Zangors yeah. are already a simple, like they're a valid threat. Uh, yeah. You, you can't, if you're not being wary of it, they're going to run over you. Yeah. And they're strong, right? So like, it's a, I think it's a pretty simple fix. Yeah. But putting them at the same level as, as Beastmen, I mean, also just like standardized, right? Like Zangors yep. are Beastmen. They should have the same wounds. Just like, you know, Eldar have eight wounds. Most basic humans have seven. Um, I also think honestly, sorcerers could, could go up to 14. I think that would, that would be a little bit of a boost for them. Yeah. I think either one would probably be a good fix. But then would you want to just get rid of, um, just curious, would you just want to get rid of the rubrics entirely? I mean, I think that fix would, would just get rid of rubrics entirely. (laughs) But then that, that sort of defeats the purpose of the team. Like then you may as well just make a Zangor team, you know? Yeah, but I mean, the team is a failure off launch anyways, right? Sure, They're just sure. not good. So, you know, if it, if it were up to me, I think I would restructure the team rather than the, you know, take two Zangors per rubric. And, and I think just a set nine models, three sorcerers, two rubrics, um, you know, you would probably always take the gun and the icon or the, um, 
Soul Reaper Cannon and the Icon, and then four Ten Wounds Angors. That way it's thematic because it's nine models, and then you don't have to worry about shifting your dudes around to take either Recon or Security. Just give you the option, Recon or Security. Yeah, I'm fine with something like that. That would be interesting. I mean, ultimately you're adding, like, at that point in time, you're adding an extra uh, 24 wounds, because I think typically when you take all all rubrics, you can only get up to six. So um, that might be too big, in my opinion. But I like the idea and where you're where you're going with it. I definitely think that something like that could definitely happen. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not definitely not against it. You know, something has to change fundamentally with the team, whether that's next edition or whether that's uh, something else. I think that uh, a. <clears throat> Warp Coven and Zinch needs to change. Like where Naturally. I went there? You like you like that? Boo! <laughs> <Or> <laughs> <change>. <laughs> so so let's go on to Tacoma. So you guys had a bunch of tournaments leading up to it. Um how big was your biggest tournament leading up to Tacoma? Twenty-four. Twenty-four? Is that because of space and size, or is that typically like the maximum amount of people that you can like get to so, come to an event i think we could probably pull a little bit more um 24 is like a really manageable group um we we do like our our fundraising so we run like a, a bounty board which is kind of like a side game um within kill team for our events uh so that takes a little bit of administration we also serve alcohol mm. um, you know we like to we like to make sure that people are having fun um and then we give away a lot of prizes also like throughout so like uh we randomly roll off and then uh tables will get random prizes just for playing whoever wins that game gets like tufts of grass um stuff like that so uh between that and then just like kind of community building like making sure everyone's having a good time and toing uh i think that is kind of where we sit uh but we have brought on some more judges recently so hopefully we can up that number um at our events to support the the larger community. Got it. Um, I think that that's a really good sign of the Pacific Northwest. Um, I think 24 is a really, a pretty decent sized tournament as well. You know? Yeah. Um, it's an, a lot of tournament organizers they get down on themselves when they can't pull these 24 person events or they get like, ah, we couldn't do it when we first started, you know, um, that's a hard number to get to. That's a lot of people that have to dedicate their time to come out and play a game and come to an event. So any tournament organizers out there that are, that are listening, you know, if you can get anywhere near those numbers, even 16, you know, like that's a pretty decently big event for, especially a game like this. Yeah, and it's something I would say to any other tournament organizers that are that are listening. Um, you know, don't don't lose hope just because if you started out, you know, and you aren't getting huge numbers. I think our our first event, our first kill screen, did we have ten players at that event? I think that's right, Tyler. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, over the course of a year, we went from from you know barely scraping together ten people to you know regularly hosting events with twenty twenty four. So, you know the if you make your events good enough and people like coming to them, um, you know, more people will come. 
yeah, you build it, they will come. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we we started off uh, at, uh, I think, seven players at our very first tournament. We went to 10, 12, 14, 19, and then we went to 42, and then we went to 89. So, um, so like, while we had a meteoric rise, (laughs) um, obviously the last one was LVO, uh, you know, like the, not everyone's going to have that same trajectory. As long as you keep trying to grow your events and some of them are going to go back, you know, some of them are going to be smaller. Like our first event this year was 10 players. Right. Uh, and then we, then we sold out three weeks at 24 and the thing that you have to realize is that sometimes it's just a bad weekend yeah you know sometimes it is like people have stuff going on um people have family in town uh people can't make it people are working so like just because your event isn't as big as you thought it was going to be you know don't 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 be disheartened and just uh keep trying you know um so that's that's kind of my best small pro tip to uh tournament organizers do you guys have any because you guys run quite a few as well i think that just being persistent and like making sure that your events are worth coming to um you know keeping a tight time schedule respect people's times and then looking at other stuff that's going on in your community to try to schedule around that um i think that that's honestly one of the hardest parts about the organizing is figuring out what dates work you know because you don't want to plan on holidays like major other events that are going on in your community, like festivals and stuff like that, that are going to take away people. Um, you know, you need to fit it in and kind of compromise. Yeah. Especially big events. So like when, when I'm planning events, <clears throat> uh, I'm typically, I look at every major event in the United States, things that would draw people and I put them on a calendar and then I look up uh, local events, things that are going to draw people away from my event locally. And then I look around and say like, Hey, is this wedding season? Is this the start of school? Is this, this, is this, this, right? And <clears throat> then you got to find a couple weekends that work for you. So there's a lot of planning that goes into it. And that's why you can really only run like a couple big events a year. You could run smaller ones. Sure. Just realize that when you're competing with something else, like if you're competing with Nova, if you're competing with LVO, if you're complete, competing with uh, a games workshop event, if you're competing with something like that, you know, just realize that, you know, you're, you're, or any of the FLG events, you're, you might get less people because some people have already bought tickets or plan to travel somewhere else. Right. So, yeah. Definitely. All important, all important things to realize. We have a podcast that's going to be coming out soon that me, Elliot from the LVO crew and bands, we go really deep into a lot of tournament organizing stuff tips and tricks so if you guys are interested in that make sure you guys keep looking out for some of our future podcast episodes it'll also be available early on our patreon for anyone that's interested um but uh yeah do you guys have any other i know you guys said you guys are running it at uh you guys have alcohol does does but that's something that we have not been able to do in california is that specifically easier to do in 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 your venue? Is that specifically easier to do in your state? Um, So generally it's like a, we pay a $50 flat fee to get a one day license to, to serve liquor. That's Um, badass. It's Mm. pretty sweet. Um, 
I think it like it really uh, it, it makes like the experience really fun for everyone. And then we just sell like a, a drink pass, flat fee, drink all you want, you know. Um, that way, no one's thinking about cost of it on there. Um, yeah, we're just having fun. And we're fortunate enough to have like you know we don't have to worry about people getting rowdy or sloppy or anything like that. Like we have we have a good group of people that that hasn't been an issue for us. But um, yeah, it's it's not really that hard to do in Oregon, and I think so, that's, that's what so is. It- is that like an open bar? Uh, I mean, basically, you know, people mm-hmm. tell us they want a beer and we bring them a beer. Wow. Know, or like wow. Uh, mixed drinks. Like we have a, a limited selection on that that we, we offer also, um, you know, so. Uh, and then afterwards, usually we, we go to like a local place and have a burger and then a few beers. Um, Interesting. Socialize. Yeah. When, when I was a, a big time security guard down in, uh, West Hollywood, when I was the operations manager, the worst days ever were the uh, open bar days and open bar nights and parties <laughs> with open bars. So it's fascinating to see that, um, yeah, go top, tabletop gamers. I'm proud of you, you know? So that's good. <laughs> um, I think we have a very like beer and uh, cider focused crowd. Um, okay. So like we, we were pushing more like hard alcohol um, based on like what we saw at other tournaments. Uh, at our first time we served alcohol and then we kind of pivoted uh, more to have like a, a pretty large beer selection usually. Um, we'll have like more than 10 types on cans and bottles and stuff like that. So Yeah, we find the players tend to go for like you know, one beer around ish. So like I said, they're not getting sloppy or anything. Like just just you know, people hanging out and having fun and not really trying to overdo it. So. That's good. That's real good. Yeah. You know, I could probably have an entire uh, separate podcast on uh, <laughs> my experiences <laughs> in West Hollywood. Um, now, I'm glad about that. That's that's a good thing. That's a sign of a, a mature crowd, too. So, And that's a really cool feature that you guys can have in at events that not everyone else has or not all other organizers has. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty big on you guys. Yeah, it's, it really like it feels good um, to have that option. Yeah. Super cool. Something that me and Giacomo and my and my wife for squad games, we've been talking about quite a lot. And the only thing that we can really make that happen at is at LVO. So, you know, maybe we'll start looking into some day, lines, day licenses in California and see if uh, if it's even possible in our state. Time to booze it up. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's fascinating because I also don't drink. So... You know, sometimes that's that that wouldn't draw me, but I do know a lot of the tabletop uh, crowd does does uh, uh, does drink, and it, it is a great benefit to have to a tournament to help because you know there's a lot of nerves at a tournament. You know, you need to sometimes you know relax a little bit. You know, let the there's quite a few players that I know that actually play better when they have had a little. You know, so. It's good stuff. Uh, I think people get analysis paralysis sometimes, and uh, you know, maybe a drink can help with that. Don't overdo your stuff. Just yeah, lu- lubricate the gears a little bit. And absolutely. <laughs> uh, do do you guys lubricate the gears a little bit to to help your guys' decisions? Because uh, Greg, I know that you guys both placed really well at a sixty-four person event. And Greg, you got second, uh, and uh, or a sixty-three person event. And Tyler, you got ninth, right? Absolutely. Yes. And 
how did how did that uh how did that experience go did you guys feel like tyler did you feel like the 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 level of of play was the same here as it was at lvo uh absolutely i think we have so like i think the pacific northwest has like an incredibly strong scene um i think we have some really fantastic players out here um they kind of fly under the radar because we're kind of a isolated region as far as kill team like we're doing our own i would definitely agree yeah um you know our local meta is a little different but like the level of play uh is easily you know to match anywhere in the world so i see that there was a lot of intercession and space marines so when you say that your guys is um in the top 10 when you say your your meta is a little bit different than everyone else's is that because y'all just love the emperor or like what's up <laughs> I, I do think our our Northwest meta does swing a bit toward elites. Um, you know, we have a lot of folks who play a lot of stuff, but um, you know, legionary intercession have been. Um, and, you know, I mean, I guess global statistics will show that they're the most two, the two most popular teams anyway. But they are. I think they it's are. been a little a little weighted, um, maybe more so in the Northwest. Yeah, well, I can't wait for Justin Timberlake's team to come out, and I think they're going to be a big hit in your guys's area. <clears throat> um, I, I am not we'll looking see. forward to that team. The, they, <laughs> trying to collect them. I mean, like I'm, uh, I'm gonna buy the whole box, right? Yeah, now. yeah, <laughs> just buy the box. Uh, yeah. Like, but I don't know. I like. Hopefully, they're they're just fun. Like, I'm just hoping they're fun, bro. Yeah. I'm so excited for them. I'm so excited. I, I just wish they had done it with the Death Guard Heroes box. Like, we don't need another Loyalist Space Marine team, but Death Guard, like, mm-hmm. that would have been fantastic. Seven models. You got a Sorcerer. You got your Flail guy. You got your, um, what, the big old Plague Spewer thing. Like, I don't know. I think that's what they should have done it for. I so mean, you know, could happen. Yeah, so you know, I've been hard on that train of, I don't know why the original Space Marine kill uh space marine heroes like the og like firstborn aren't also it mm-hmm. i don't know why uh terminators aren't in there obviously they're getting new terminators so that's that's why they're out there um i don't know why the death guard didn't get it you know there's such an easy thing and it just it would sell it would just make them sell better it makes no sense it makes me very angry <clears throat> maybe maybe next one after this we'll see like a slanesh noise marine emperor's children Heroes that would be sick. Yeah, this that could be their be test to, to find out if it works for people and if they like it. And then they could, you know, because they stopped yeah. doing the white dwarf route like a while ago. So, I mean, but I, I'm I'm kind of happy about that. Let's be real. The white dwarf teams were half baked at best. Yeah. All of yeah. them. Like they were all like Hunter Clade is fine. Like they're fine, but kind of boring. You know, the, the clowns are all over the place. They're the only ones that kind of do what they're supposed to. And Smash face. Yeah, and then Warp Coven, you know, we we already discussed that. So I think Warp Coven was the only team that like failed on multiple levels. They were good when they first came out because they were the like just one of the bespoke teams. You have Wormblade who's also good, but they have way they have a lot of counters and they suck on Into the Dark. Um Yeah, you have what? Uh Hunter Clade. Hunter Clade is actually has been good and they've had to be nerfed, you know, and they got buffed, they got nerfed, they got buffed. Uh, and then finally you have, uh, yeah, the void dancers who are just like, oh yeah, we just like, we just break the game cause we're elves, you know, we're cool. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, there was only one Void Dancers in top, right? Oh, James, yeah. There was, James. yeah. Yeah. James. Do you guys know a lot of these other teams? So, like, there is the Waystorm. So, first place is Matt Wilhelm with Intercession. Yep. Um, then you have Team Aegis, Team Daka, Top Tier Gaming. I know you guys are part of, you guys are both a part of Cats, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then Matt is part of Cats now. Um, he's defected. Okay. Yeah, he's defected. And then uh, joined the Emperor side. Got it. And then uh-huh. uh, James is, he like, James is a unique guy. Love him to death. Uh, but he won't join Cats for some reason. But he plays at all of our events. He's like a, a local, he's part of the team. We're claiming him. Also. Got it. He's a uh, he, he's a he's a he's a future thinker. He's the leader of of his own way. The orc Absolutely. the orc way. Well, yeah. or or void dancer troop. He believes he believes in in the DACA. Absolutely, he does. Do you guys know Team Aegis or Top Tier Gaming or uh, the Chronicles of the Coast? Chronicles of the Coast. <laughs> uh, Chronicles of the Coast is what they're up in Vancouver. Um, that was the only cultist player. Okay, so there. That's that's a uh, that's a that's a Canadian, Chris. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the, I want to say Chronicles of the Coast. They just ran an event in Vancouver. Um, yeah, a little bit before, and then uh, Team Ages. I think that they are also in Vancouver. Um, and then Waystone is. Uh, a local game store up in the Seattle area. It's a speakeasy. Okay. Pretty great place to play. Um, great community there. Matt's one of the locals along with a few other people. Um, yeah, Garrett. There pretty regularly. And, uh, Garrett. Bean there then, a bit. Yeah, Brandon Bean plays there a bit, which I think he was the, the top contention uh, Colts player up until Matt knocked him out round four. So, and then he kind of kind of went uh, you know, more casual after that. Yeah, I can see that there is a game that uh, Chris, the cultist player, scored only four points. Jeez. Uh, who was that against? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I heard. I heard that he tied. I think he tied. Oh, so okay. So I remember. I watched the Glass Half Dead video, and he said what the the cultist player won and and lost against, and it was uh, he tied Felgor and he lost to Commandos. So a Commandos player got him, Christian, got him down yeah. to four. That's the guy that tied me. Uh, okay, I, mean, I wonder if he just got bomb squigged, like you know, bomb squig into five, four or five devotees. That'll do it. Bomb squig, you got the you got splash, you got flamer. Commandos are pretty okay into them. They probably have like a a forty percent win rate, maybe like a thirty five, <clears throat> um, which is better than most teams. Them and I've heard Hyrotech Circle are also not awful into them with all their splash. <clears throat> yeah, I'd believe that. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, because you don't have to you don't have to worry about protecting the leader because you're not getting shot. You just you take the big shot that you can with fly, you can threaten the whole board. Yeah, so, Shane. Yeah, Shane just nukes them. Yeah, Shane from Command uh, Command Point told me that one. He, uh, you, I played against. We played. I played. I, me and Giacomo played against uh, Kellen Foster. He won a golden ticket last year. Mm-hmm. We both played into his Hyrotech at the event in San Diego, and we both were fortunate enough to to defeat him. Um, but he uh, he had a uh, 
he was telling us, he was telling me about how far this guy could get on fly and then shoot. And I was playing bed guard and he was like, yeah, it does like five, four blast splash stun. I was like, okay, how many more <laughs> things can this dude do? I have no idea what it could do. Um, yeah, it's terrifying. And I'm, I would imagine that that, that alpha strike would be, uh, quite amazing into, uh, into cultists. <laughs> Yeah. Um, did any of you guys play uh, any cultist players? There's only three cultists, surprisingly enough, at this Tacoma event. Yeah, I played cultists round three capture into Brandon Bean. Um, like I said, Brandon was probably uh, up until he lost him hat running for, for first place. Um, and then he took it real casual. Um, that was a mean match. I made a mistake early on and just couldn't couldn't come back from it cults are too much you, you make a single mistake and it's over it would have been a tight game regardless you know absolutely yeah i dodged i dodged the cults matchup because i think um brandon was the last one undefeated when he lost to matt and then since i went five and oh to begin with um i dodged the rest of them so how, how about the other scary team felgors that was my first match um oh i had to play felgors Round one, and f- and you were playing Phobos, the uh, the less loved of the of the Space Marine teams. So I think they do. That's right. Um, yeah, I think um, you know what what that match came down to was um, my opponent made a mistake with his leader during setup. Um, he dashed to where I could get a obscured shot that Ooh. because my marksman had obscuring, I just um, frenzied his leader on my first activation. Oh, yep, and just that's I, that's I think they're I think they're secret tech against Felgor, man. Maybe even cultists because they can get rid of obscuring. Yeah, yeah, it's big. I, you know, I practiced into cultists. I didn't play him at the event, and that was that was definitely what I leaned into there as well. So. I'd say they're pretty similar uh, on a lot of aspects, but also very different on others. Um, when you guys were when you guys were training, I know that you said that you you played a lot against cultists. Uh, did you also practice into cultists, um, Tyler? Uh, a little bit here and there. Uh, my work schedule kind of got crazy, like a few weeks heading up, and I actually I was feeling pretty under practice for this event. Uh, a little less than where I'd like to be, which is kind of why I took intercession. Um, I didn't get that that lead up time that I wanted to, um, and we were also we were expecting the boards to be worse than they were. Um, that's we were, that's the that's the thing that's been it's been pretty bad at Games Workshop's events lately. Huge um, difference between Kansas City and uh, Tacoma. So, yeah, we showed up and saw something completely different there. Uh, that's so. good. Was it were they good maps? I know they're all open, right? Yeah, uh, I thought they were solid maps. I think that given the constraints of a single Octarius with no addition, like nothing extra, not like a single extra piece, um, really excellent maps. Um, you know, and maybe like doors should be closed on some of them sometimes, but like I don't know. I that's that's too much thinking for as many players as there were. Um, not having to reset them every time. Excellent, excellent job. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if anyone listening was was familiar with how they did it. So they, um, 
rather rather than change the boards in between rounds, every single numbered board was tied to a certain layout. So board number one was always, you know, layout number seven or whatever. Board number two was always layout four. And so when you changed boards between rounds, you know, you'd be playing on a different layout. Um, so that was, that was sort of an interesting way of doing it. And certainly since there were, you know, 32 boards set up um, and basically only one TO, um, you know, I don't, I don't really see a better way that they can, they can. Right. Yeah. I don't want to reset up those. Up. Yeah. I have enough trouble resetting 12 boards. So. <laughs> yeah. At LVO, we did the, we tried to have everyone reset their own boards. And while that worked, it definitely strained a lot of people on time. So um, I think that, you know, that's the better route is just to have all the tables just be a slightly different. <clears throat> Yep. So did did Games Workshop ever publish any of those maps, or are they all just uh, hidden in the uh, hidden in the vaults of uh, of Games Workshop's library, or was it just Ben's genius of creating them? I think it was all Ben, honestly. Yeah, like credit where credit is due. Uh, Ben's a badass. Badass. Um, yeah, absolutely killed it for the event. It was so good to see him because I played him at LVO. Um, we had an incredible game where we tied. Um, it was like the fastest game I played there. And then to see him at this event as RTO was so wonderful. Yeah. He's definitely one of my favorite people. Uh, I reach out to him a lot for, you know, sometimes advice and stuff like that. I think he's very knowledgeable. Um, he's a good dude. Yeah, it was great. I feel as a TO, I learned a lot from him watching how he ran that event. So especially, especially 63 players alone, you know, like we had a staff of three for 89 and we were struggling. So, <laughs> or 87, for, and we had a staff of three. Uh, I could definitely see that, you know, it, that's, that's, that's inspiring and good to hear. Is there anything else about, uh, now, there's going to be a lot of people that either can't afford to travel, because Games Workshop only has, what, four events in the U.S. this year? There's a lot of people that want to go to a Games Workshop event or has thought about it. What is special? and unique about these games workshop tournaments compared to going to something like LVO or going to uh, like a more local tournament? Uh, I mean, I think there's, there's two big draws to the, the GW events. I guess one that's not necessarily exclusive, but if I'm not mistaken, if you win the golden ticket at the GW event, they pay for your accommodations for the, for Atlanta. Is that correct? That's the rumor on the street. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's a big draw. Um, whereas, you know, if you just win in, in an entry, um, to that event, you still have to pay for, to get there. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, the second thing that's maybe a little tangential, but like, you know, they have a, they have a shop set up and they have a bunch of Forge World stuff that, you know, it's really hard to get elsewhere. And so, um, you know, other than obviously ordering for Forge World. So being able to go to the shop and, you know, oh shoot, you know, here's this, out of print forge world thing that, you know, I never thought I'd see for a reasonable price. Um, you know, I think that's another big draw. And, yeah. uh, what about, is there any kind of like downsides, Tyler, you've been to LVO and Greg, have you, did you go to LVO? I did not. Okay. Um, it, so I don't, I mean, like, I think that the, the dynamics are kind of different. Um, Tacoma was really great because it got, we got to see like our larger, Pacific Northwest community, uh -huh. I think. Um, yeah. And so, like, while we're kind of based in Oregon, and we, we even organize south of Portland. So, like, um, to draw 24 to, like, an hour south of Portland 
kind of difficult uh, but to pull them from like Seattle and stuff doesn't happen often. So to be able to see like the wider community and get to meet people from Canada that aren't normally down in our neck of the woods and play with all of them and like see just like uh, the community come together and like just have a good time was incredible. Um, you know, I think Games Workshop events have a certain prestige to them just because they're Games Workshop. Um, but I also think that like LVO is a more dynamic kind of event overall. Um, you see kind of top level play. Um, it's like one of those events that really like pulls everyone together and it's kind of decided by the community to be like our community championship rather than the one that the GW holds that's invite only, you know? Yeah. Is is there any specific negatives? I have a couple negatives about FLG that I would I can not FLG, um LVO that I could I could put out there. Is there anything that's like specifically negative, like not having 3D printed models or not having third party models? Is there anything that is like a little bit more rough for a games workshop event in that aspect or any other aspect? I mean, that that would be the first thing I would say as an avid hobbyist um, that, you know, being limited to, to games workshop only games workshop only models and bits, you know, is, is restrictive for people who really want to, you know, have a team, especially with kill team, right? You have, 20 models at most, I guess, barring the, the cultists and Geller box. But, you know, you have a lot of opportunity for customization, you know, finding esoteric bits, uh, using third-party models and all that. And, you know, you lose that at a, at a Games Workshop event where you're required to have 100% of their stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes. And then it's like sometimes people aren't even bringing their best painted teams, you know? Um Cause they have to, I know I'd have to get, if I was going to go and I wanted to bring my vet guard, I can't bring them. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, one of the things I will, one of the kind of talks of Tacoma, um, one of our community members, won best painted Zach, um, and he had him commission painted, which he was very forthright about. Um, he sent the trophy off to the commission painter for him, but he did all the conversion work on it um and some of our community members have been hurt that games workshop just selected the paint they think is gonna give them the the most promotion rather than something that was painted by one of the members in our local community um taking part in the event well we 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 saw a goonhammer article about that that was pretty interesting um uh from what i what i gathered i don't know did you said zach won the best painted Yes. Um, was that made known that it was commission painted to the tournament organizers to begin with? I believe so. Yes, and they they selected the models that they wanted to to look at. Right, they, it wasn't like bring bring your models up for consideration. They walked around all the different tables and picked, I think you know ten ten different teams to to choose from. So you know, interesting. This, GW made this decision. Um, and, you know, like I said, Zach was absolutely forthright. He told them, hey, these were commission painted. You know, they said, hey, this is this is how we're doing it. We're looking for the best painted models, not necessarily the best painter. Interesting. Um, I've heard varying reports on that. Uh, my, my, my report that I heard was that it was not known to the to the tournament organizers that they were commission painted. And then it came out in a Goonhammer article uh, that it was painted by Den of Imagination. and. It was a surprise to the staff. Maybe it was known to the direct staff there 
Uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, a lot of this is, I will have to lean on your guys. It's just, uh, I've heard varying differences in the painting table stake world of what happened. Um, in the end, it's still a controversy because there's, it's a commission paints a team, right? And that does not happen a ton. And <clears throat> me and Giacomo talked about it quite a lot. Uh, commission painting has really taken off in the past decade because of, uh, you know, time, more and more armies going out there. Uh, what do you guys think about commission painting and people winning uh, overall, best painted overall at uh, events with a commission painted team? It would never happen at our event, is all I can say. Um, okay. Like, at, you at, know. Least, at least not with our knowledge, but, you know, we're, we're so focused on community building that, you know, we, we do more than just um, best painted. Like, we encourage people to do uh, display boards and, you know, to take things a little further. In the um, hobby track act, uh, section. Right. Them, right? And, and also, again, I mean, like, like it's, it's voluntary, right? The, the players volunteer <laughs> their models. We're not saying, hey, we're, we're picking these. So, you know, someone, someone who had a commission-painted team, um, you know, is obviously not going to, to put them forward as their own work. Um, or, you know, if they did, they lied, right? Like, that, that's the other question is how do you avoid someone just lying and saying it's their work? Um, unless there's some sort of, you know, public public domain images or something that the studio had put out to, to prove them wrong. Um, you know, how, how do you avoid that, right? So, um, yeah, I think it's it definitely, it definitely a conundrum, right? Uh, because there's, uh, there's quite a lot of people in 40K Big Hammer who get, uh, commission painted armies. We had Iggy on, uh, in an earlier podcast where he does commissions, uh, for teams and stuff. And it's always an interesting and controversial question to bring up, especially as organizers, how we think about and how we deal with it. Giacomo, what is your thoughts on commission painted armies? All right. Well, so there's a couple of things. There's always going to be the people that will say, you know, I send the trophies to the winners. Awesome. You know, I get it. That's what they're going to, that's what they're going to do. But it depends on the terms of what the painting competition is at the event. If, like you guys were saying, it was for just the best painted models, absolutely. And then if we know who the person who painted it is and they're receiving whatever trophies or, uh, you know, things that is, then sure, there, there could be an argument made for that. Um, but there was something else I was thinking about. If you paint, pay someone to paint your army, and this is coming from me, who's no longer a full-time commission painter. Um, if you are paid to paint someone's army, you don't know what it's going to be used for, right? So then that person could, could uh, some person, I don't know how many are there, could be using it to cheat other people. You know, like, because you, you'll see people come in and they try their hardest for hobbies. They're going for the win. But you can come in and maliciously just take the win because you paid for it. So what's the difference of just not like making the trophy or something, you know, like who's it for? Who are you, who are you trying to impress? It's just one of those things. Like, why would you try to win this without any kind of like merit to it? Uh, that bothers me. Cause I know a lot of people who, who try their hardest to paint and, you know, they might not be the best painters, but they're really proud of their work and they, they spend a lot of time on it. And I think people like that, are usually more deserving than those who would cheat people. 
to just win something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that effort should always be rewarded. Um, you know, it's not always about like having the uh, most finely detailed models. Um, I think even for our painting competitions, a lot of times it's about having the, the best theme or putting together a good display board um, that like really sells it. You know, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I, would I think agree. I think that like when you get down to like the flavor of what someone's executing, um, that's like that's like the real meat and bones of like a community painting competition. Like who's who's trying to present the coolest idea and who put in the most effort to execute it? Did they do a good job? You know, absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, it's like you mentioned, right? It comes down to the terms of the painting competition. You know, are they looking for the best models or are they looking for, you know, the best, the, the hobbyist who put in the most effort and, and presented something the best? Yeah, it's something interesting to also talk about because of, you know, there's a lot of fledgling, fledgling TOs, TOs that also struggle with this exact thing, you know, and I, this might be Games Workshop's first time that they've had to deal with this somewhat controversy. Uh, of awarding a, a best painted to a commission painted army, at least in recent memory. Uh, I think they stopped doing tournaments in 2007. So they've been out of it for quite some time. Uh, and like I said, commission painted armies really have picked up since um, like the 2014 era. Um, what is your guys's like overall thoughts on, I know that, Tyler, you said that they would never happen at your events, but like, what if you didn't know? I mean, if I didn't know, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. But to the best of our knowledge, you know, um, given given perfect information, obviously, it uh -huh. would at our events. Um, okay. Just because we, we try to reward people in the community for stuff that they're working on. Now, now, here's a question for you. What if one of those people has a disability and they make that up front? They're saying like, oh, you know, I have a disability and this is why I get my army's commission painted. Uh, does that change your mind? I mean, not because like, not, you know, like because you have a disability doesn't mean that you get to compete in everything. Um, you know, like I, I will accommodate you and your ability to play. Um, you know, if you still hit bash your models, like that's cool because that's not part we're not grading on like best paint necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like best theme. So if you're putting work into your models, we're not going to shut you out of the event. If you did nothing on your models, th this part of the event's not for you. Um, you're still welcome to play and compete, and we have plenty of other ways for you to win prizes. That makes sense. How about you, Greg? Do you have any? Do you think the same? Do you have other opinions? Um, no, I, I pretty much think the same as Tyler that, you know, it, we try to do, our, to do our best to accommodate, you know, players of all, all skill levels, um, you know, all levels of effort. But, you know, I, I think since, since we put so much effort into, into building community, right. That we know, we, we sort of know what's going on with, with our players. And um, that's why I think it's much less likely that someone's going to try and slip that bias that comes in with a commission painted team and claims it as their own. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's those are all very good points. And I'm excited to see if uh, we get any ITC updates on this kind of stuff. 
Because whenever I talk to people from Frontline Gaming or Warhammer, I always get different different things from everyone, you know, about commission paintings, about hobby track, about, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it would be nice to have a little bit more of a guideline from the company that we play a game with, that we play the game from. Now, while I don't think like everything that Games Workshop does is perfect, like for instance, the fact that they don't have uh, time clocks at their events is a little bothersome to me because, you know, slow play is a thing and it has happened in the past. So there, there, there's some fundamentals that Games Workshop cannot do because Games Workshop is a company to sell models, right? Um, and these events just kind of help perpetuate that as they're reaching out to different markets, so on and so forth. Um, so I think that one of the things you're touching on like uh, with Games Workshop is like why, as a community, it's so important for <clears> us to organize our own events and kind of establish how we want things to be. Yeah. Um, if we take ownership of the game that we're playing um, as a community, it will not only be healthier, um, but it'll have a, just a better community overall. Absolutely. So. That's very well said. And also, you know, I want to I want to give Ben another shout out here as the TO because, um, you know, he he did say, um, you know, explicitly that he was constrained. He could not force the use of a time clock um, in any of the games. But, you know, he did a great job that if he saw that there was an issue of coming over to the table, making sure things were moving along. Um, and I, don't know, I was I was kind of hyper hyper focused and I didn't see too much of what was going on outside my own tables. But um I feel like that wasn't a big issue at the event. That's good. Um, me as a TO, I can tell you that it's a, it's a problem at every event. <laughs> I'm sure that you know that too, Greg. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that maybe at your guys' top tables, I mean, it even happened at LVO on stream, right? Like some people only got to the end of turn two because our time clock didn't work. And that's our fault, you know? Um, so like there is... There's growing pains for everyone, and I hope that Games Workshop continually learns from some of their their small growing pains. Um, I heard that the event was overall a huge success and very good, and I'm very happy about that. Um, the one thing, that, one th- yeah, was it? Absolutely. Oh yeah, night and day. One thing I can definitely say about um, LVO is. The one of my major problems when I was attending the event was how long the line to, was to get th- to get your ticket to go into the event, oh, and then yeah. sometimes in the morning, standing in that godforsaken line. Uh, supposedly, FLG is putting some things into effect this year that should help. That you know, supposedly team captains can go down and get a ticket for their entire team and just check in their entire team. I don't know if that's actually going to be in effect, but I know it's something that they were working on. So hopefully if one guy could go grab 20 tickets and we could like just stop that line from occurring, that'd be a great help. Um, But yeah, that was kind of one of my bigger things. Do you guys have to wait in line to get into the Games Workshop event? Not at all. No, so they didn't. I, I guess one thing about the event, they didn't really ticket entry. Anyone could just walk in. Um, oh, interesting. I think largely that was due to the fact that, right, they had a store there. They were making money off of people walking in and buying their stuff. Um, hmm. But as far as the event, so because Kill Team was only Saturday and Sunday and the entire event was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
I think the majority of us came in on Friday, got everything checked in and squared away that all we had to do was show up on Saturday and start rolling dice. Oh, nice. Is there, Greg, have you been to any other major? Uh, aside from the Tacoma Open from 2022, I have not. Um, I don't get that, a whole lot of opportunity to travel with, with my family. So That was only, what, 19 players or something? It was, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler, have you been to any others outside of uh, LVO in this one? No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um, Majors are a lot different. Um, they're a lot. Of, they're a big beast. Uh, Giacomo, how about you? Have you been to any outside of that? I know that forty k. You've been to quite a few, but in a while, no. Um, I mostly just kind of. You went to KTO. Well, yeah, we went to KTO. Um, yeah, I guess there's there's KTO. I mostly just was there for working for it though. So it's really c- like. I think that we're in an interesting area of the lifespan of this game of kill team. I think we're in a really good spot, you know, a couple teams need to be touched, but outside of that, it's interesting because last year we I went to LVO, we had a 42 person uh 40 person event. Uh we ran a bunch of small tournaments and then all of a sudden our all valley team tournament happened and we beat LVO's attendance with 42 players. And that was like huge, right? Especially for California considering SoCal Open only had 19, uh, which was like two weeks before. Um, And then LVO happened and it sold out. The very first time a Kill Team event has ever sold out, right? Um, Outside of maybe Spain. I, I can't keep up with all the all the information in Spain. It's They're crazy. On another level. <laughs> it's, it, there's like I feel like you could just like walk down the street in Spain and come across to kill people. <laughs> probably, probably. We'll we'll have Ace on this podcast soon enough, and uh, we'll be able to talk all that is Spain. But um, then KTO happened, and they tied LVO's attendance. Uh, I think overall they had more kill team players because they had a narrative as well. But competitively, event-wise, it was the same size. And then the Games Workshop tournament came through and blew everyone out of the park. 120 people. And all of these events have sold out. And then you had Tacoma come along, sell out their 40-person, right? And now they're sitting at, what, 60? They probably sold out again at 64, and only 63 players showed. Or maybe they sold 63 and 63 people came, which seems highly irregular. I think they actually opened beyond that. But um, I don't know between drops and maybe just oh. selling all their tickets yeah. because um, they actually sent out an email about a potential shadow round uh, on day one if they had had more than sixty four people. Mm-hmm. How um, many? How many? How many rounds was it? It was six. It was- so it was originally going to be five, but then once they got above thirty two players, they decided to to add a sixth round to make sure there was one undefeated. Interesting. Uh, but then they said if they went beyond sixty four, they would do a shadow round of just the top eight. Um, to ensure that there was only one undefeated at the end of day two. Interesting. Yeah, that that is something that um, Games Workshop can definitely do. That's an interesting, definitely an interesting path uh, and an d- interesting way to do it. I know that 40k does a lot of shadow rounds. Uh, I've seen. I've been in the hall till people playing till like two a.m. in the morning yeah. on shadow rounds. It's awful. Uh, but the fact that there was only like three rounds and their shadow round was going to be game four. Imagine if they had four rounds in shadow round game five. 
It'd be awful, right? I don't want to think about that. <laughs> From now on, we're just calling our fourth round shadow round. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to be here. <laughs> so as, as event organizers, what do you guys think is like the ideal tournament length? How many, how many, uh, you guys have 24 players. Does four rounds ever get the, uh, do, do you guys ever get any, um, like, sorry, do you guys have like a, does, do, do four rounds work for 24 for you? Yeah. So, so, you know, I think, I think one of the things that, that we found as event organizers is taking feedback from your players, right? That we really wanted to, um, if we had events with, with more players expanded to two day events, but then we found out that when we tried to get two day events, a lot of our players said they couldn't they couldn't do swing a two day event, not, you know, just for a regular weekend. Um, you know, it's just too much, too much time commitment, too much resources, especially for the folks traveling, uh, from Washington, which, you know, we have a fair amount. And so, you know, four rounds in a day, I think is the absolute maximum that, that, you know, a human being should, should be subjected to. Spain uh, would so disagree with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's been, that's been our standard four rounds in one day for an event. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Go ahead. I was going to say, we've kind of run our, our events are a little long. Like we run from 10 AM. Like that's when doors open. First round starts at 1030. And then we wrap up at like eight o'clock at night. Um, we run our rounds pretty slow, like two hours for everything, you know, little breaks in between. As it so, should, as it yeah, should. We, absolutely. We're serving drinks, you know, we're keeping it casual. Uh, but like at the end of those four rounds, everyone's definitely burned. Like, you know, uh, people who are not at top tables are definitely playing more casual and people who are at the top tables are, you know, trying to grind out those last, last dice rolls. So as two event organizers, you guys haven't been to a lot of, um, big majors. I, I had a question. Um, what makes you guys most excited? Pure Swiss, like we kind of did last year, uh, at LVO where, you know, Swiss is pretty much a standard top eight cut or brackets uh so for me we haven't done it yet but i would love to have an event large enough that we could do brackets um that i you know i just like the idea of even even if you're not you know the top player or in the top eight that you can still win that you know your day two is meaningful um that you know as long as you win your eight person Uh bracket you get a prize and i think that's really cool okay How about you, Tyler? I'm right there with him. Uh, okay. If we can, if we can get to a an event at the right location for two days um, and get enough people, I would love to run brackets. And how about you, G? Yeah, brackets seem fun. Just this way, there's not like um, you know, when you go play, let's say Warhammer 40k, and there's uh, I forget how many people are at attendance. It's just such a high amount. Once you like lose your first game, you're like, all right, I'm pretty much out of this now. Like I scored low, whatever. I don't really need to be here. I'm just playing now and I paid this money. So it is sort of fun to have little brackets for the, you know, people who didn't do the top because, you know, it's not going to happen for everybody. And I think that's a little more manageable because you're like, no, nah, there's only got eight people to try to play against. You know, it's something mm. realistically you could win. And that, I think it just feels better. So I'll, I'll be the dissent in the group. I dislike brackets. Uh, the reason why I dislike brackets is because if you have a sh- poor showing day one, you're kind of locked into 
whatever category you get into. So overall, the final tournament results are still like, even if you win all four games on your last day, which probably won't happen, but if it does, um, you're still locked into like, let's say you, you lost two games day one. You're still locked into 30th through 40th place. You know what I mean? Um, I find that disheartening because when you travel to a large event, you kind of want to show how good you can do at the same time. And sometimes to some people, prizes don't mean as much. Um, and I think that that's something to also remember that every tournament goer also has a different plan. Um, I actually prefer uh, top eight cuts. I, I, I mostly prefer Swiss. Secondly, I prefer top eight cuts. And the reason why is because day two, you can do something interesting. So you could run a whole nother event. You could run a narrative for everyone who's out. Um, you can do a different reason for them to come. Um, brackets for me are, are my uh, are my least favorite. But, you know, to each our own, I guess. You know, I do also like the idea of doing a, a narrative day two for, you know, doing a top eight cut and then a narrative on day two. Um, you want to you want to awesome. hear you want to hear the descent to that one? <laughs> sure. I'm full of them. I'm full of them. Uh, the descent to that one because I know this because we've done this at LVO. Um, the narrative becomes just another competitive event. There's some people who show up for narrative to to play, but then other people who just want to keep playing, just bring their competitive team, and then just win. And it's not as narrative, so. Uh, sometimes I think that if you do do a narrative, you should also run a a uh, another tournament on the side so you can expunge those people, uh, the competitive players from that narrative group that just wants to come to have fun. Just because, um, in the end, like it's going to be more healthy uh, for that narrative event itself. So that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is there what? Is there anything else that was super spicy or cool about, um, did you guys have any specific games? Like, did you have a, a great sportsman that you guys played against? Was there a, somebody who like a team that like really surprised you? Um, I think commandos are in such a great spot. Hell yeah, they are. Like, yeah. Oh, that's the, it, they're the best team that's ever been made for the game. Um, you know, probably like, they've well, since they got buffed. I mean, yeah, but like, I mean, they've barely been touched, you know, like they've been so consistent for the most part. They've just good all round team. I think they're in a great spot. Um, I think commandos are just cool. Um, I played, uh, I played Whopper and that's awesome. You know, uh, I don't know if you know him. Oh yeah. I love Whopper. He's a great guy. He's so fun. Um, he's won best sportsmanship at a couple of our events. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was killer to see him. I met him briefly before his place flooded at LVO, um, but it was it was awesome to see him again. And then uh, Christian Franz, uh, the the other commando player, I played tied me. Excellent game, great player, really tight game. So uh, yeah, I was also actually going to say commandos. I, I played uh, Chuck, um, a gentleman from uh, Canada. Uh, my third round of, of day one. And honestly, I don't have too much practice into commandos. Um, I, I grabbed an early lead and then made some, made some mistakes in the, the back half of the game. It still managed a, a one point victory, but um, they're, they're just such a cool team that the, 
the bomb squig, like you can't underestimate that thing. You have to deal with it. It's just, it's, it's really nice to see them get that um, added onto the team. So, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, did any of you play any of the other like top players or anything? Uh, I mean, break obviously did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, pretty much everyone I played was a, was a really good player. Um, the, uh, Zach, the, the gentleman who won best painted, um, and then who was also, you know, at the top table at round five, uh, played an amazing novitiates, um, that they're, it's been a long time since I practiced against novitiates, um, since, since basically, uh, Tacoma 2022, but, uh, they, they really surprised me of how good he played them. So, um, awesome team and he did an awesome job. Yeah, they've definitely gone over the, under the radar for quite some time, in my opinion. I think they're they're back Absolutely. in a, a great spot with everything going on in the meta at the moment. Um, you know, Legionary getting nerfed um, really helped them out a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely did. Yeah, I think unfortunately Intercession still kind of gatekeeps them, but um, otherwise they're a, they're a really good team. I think intercession's still a little, little overdialed, maybe. Um, no, I don't know, man. Like, I think, I think they're like too strong for how brain dead they are. Um, I mean, Matt is an incredible player, real, real difficult player to play against because of uh, just the way he exploits their simpleness. You know, I think they're a good team, and I think it's good for the game that they're a good team. They have such a simple team be good for the game, and and something that you can take take and place well at any event is always going to be good and healthy for the team for the game overall health because you can take those people who the the newer players and have them play a stronger gatekeeping team that doesn't mentally overload you. I think that that is good for the game because it helps retention and as TOs and as people who are playing the game and that who are trying to continually like games workshop, trying to continually sell more and more product. Um, you want to have a team that can retain its, its base or draw in its base. Cause we all have to remember that the reason why space Marines are played the most isn't just because they are the best uh, or they are really good. It's because they're also the most sold toy soldier of our lifetime right yeah um and they're cool so the fact that they were bad for so long through so many additions to finally have a team who can compete um i think is ultimately healthy and it's where space marines should even be in lore wise they should be strong you know hand of the archon can still beat them vet guard pathfinders can still beat them a good a good any any good player um I don't know if they necessarily need to be tuned that much more. I think it's uh, scopes. scopes are really my only only issue with them. Um, and like I think that scopes rely create a kind of a build for the team that is can be really oppressive for a lot of people. Um, I agree. A scoped out intercession team with the right traits is just brutally dominant for how little effort. Uh, and I think if you just limited the scopes, um, you'd probably see just better better across the board with them i think they'd still be incredibly powerful and good um, did you just take deadly sharpshooters and just take all scopes or what basically i mean like that's you know, i took accurate and rapid 
for myself. And then hey, that's exactly what I did. Yeah, and then this you, weekend, then you, just, <laughs> then you just swap into deadly sharpshooters anytime you run into anything with a, a save of three or better. Exactly, or yeah. damage resistance, and then it's just like you know, it's like incredibly powerful. Um, you know, like I said, I up until round three, I feel that I would have had a shot up into you know take top table, um, and I think that they're competitive with basically anything that you put out there uh, you know they have almost no bad matches um you know some of them are worse than others but like they're still a legit threat to everything with that build so you guys heard it here first um rapid and accurate and then swap to deadly shooters and and giacomo you do something into felgors what is that dueler mm-hmm, mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. with cultists same with mm-hmm. cultists you could take dueler and that's a pretty good it's a pretty good choice yeah uh, I'll give you this though. As soon as everyone starts playing this, like they did with the other chapter tactics, one of those will get nerfed, and it's probably going to be the mortal wounds one. Yeah. Yes, and uh, that's just the way it goes. You know, we, uh, we're going to experiment with the next best thing, and that's that's, that's the way it's um, that's the way. It I is. I just want them to get nerfed so that they don't completely just floor uh, legionary anymore. You know, I mean, I thought Legionary was a pretty good. I, I, I mean, have you played? I, I don't think here's the problem, right? With that, with that sentence, oh, okay. no one's played Shane's Legionary from Command Point. That man will slap the shit out of any <laughs> Intercessions player out there. Uh, his Legionary is fucking dirty. I think that the problem is, is that Legionary is, is I mean, Intercession is way simpler to play. But like Legionary is still good in the Felgor. Legionary is really good into certain things, right? They have a great psychic spell. These the Legionary just won a golden ticket. I, well, Shane would have won a golden ticket if he didn't win one before, but he won again, right? He almost won KTO. Like, and Intercession was even stronger back then, and they weren't even part of the top eight. It's not like those two teams' powers have necessarily changed. I think it might be the way that people are playing Legionary, possibly in your area. Um, they are, they can be extremely, because I always thought that they were always middle of the pack, right? And then I went to KTO and I was like, whoa, what the hell? You know, like it's, it's kind of like they have a hidden tech and they are harder to pilot than Intercession. And I think that's why they get a bad rap. But I still think that they're a counter to Intercession. I, I think that, Interse- again, Intercession Setup Right still has a pretty... It's a pretty dominant... Uh, those shooters will take down a Legionary pretty pretty fast. Um, I think that it was a little hyperbole, but... Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just... I'm a former Legionary player, and then the, the Nurgle nerf, you know, well, that hit me in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like intercession kind of took the lead a little bit. I think in power. I could see that. I could see um, that. And that's that's really it. It's just I want I, I want equal footing for loyalists. I yeah. do also think that a lot of that stuff is map dependent, right? So, like another thing that we all have to realize that it's difficult to take every single thing of this as every single placing. You have to still take it with a partial grain of salt because. Their maps are different than the maps we run here. They're, these maps are different than how they run maps in Spain. These maps are different than an all into the dark tournament, right? These all these teams have different variations. There's so many things that are variables. There's so many freaking teams in this game that you know only having three cultists show up 
you know, probably helped intercession. Did Matt have to play into cultists? I don't believe so. Uh, he did. He probably. played Brain Bean's cultists. Did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bean is a mean player. Okay. Real mean. Um, Bean was, like I said, a seriously contender for top spot, I think, up until he lost to Matt. And he just kind of went real, real casual for the rest of the event. And took two more losses, I think. Got it. Um, but, like, his, his, I mean, he was undefeated day one. He took me out round three. Um, you know, everything. He was 3 and 0 day one, right? Yeah. And then he lost, he lost the next three in a row. Mm hmm. Yeah, he still had a 75% uh, strength of schedule, which I think is the highest that I've seen on this. That's that's another thing I dislike that Games Workshop does is strength of schedule uh, games, but that's a that's a personal preference. Um, he had a great victory points overall. He probably just played some really hard matches up his, his last day. That's what it looks like because of the 75% win rate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, something else, when, when you mentioned um, how maps are set up, um, you know, being a factor. Um, if you talk to to Matt Wilhelm, you know he um, he did not do the triple scopes. He ran an Auspex in every single match, um, and there was so much of uh, power you could have from being able to shoot, a, uh, you know, without obscuring on those Hell maps. Yeah, and uh, it made a huge difference in our game because you know that was, I mean, that was what I was leaning into the whole event was, hey, I can shoot, you know, through obscuring, and you can't. And now it's like, well. I can, and, you know, I've got a crack grenade, which is going to kill a Phobos, uh, you know, a lot of the time. So, um, you know, there's definitely more to it than just pick what the, you know, what the meta or the, the you know, traditional loadout is. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the cool thing about this game as well, is that everything is just continually changing uh, all the time. Um. Gee, do you want to go over our tournament just a tad before we uh, close this bad boy out? Yeah, and since we're on the subject of intercession and trying different things, when I played against Felgor, I did triple uh, assault intercessors with uh, tilting shields. Yep. Yeah, That's, and yeah. you just watch them like hitching. <laughs> yeah, that that critical didn't happen. You know, like, <laughs> you know there is there is something to say to trying out new things, like trying out. Now that we've all kind of realized this is probably the best tactic is to use uh, rapid and accurate right now. Um, but at the time, I was trying out a bunch of different ones, and this is the one I ultimately came to. Um, and we'll probably do it again, because you're right. You know, the Vengeance class scope, it's, it's very easy to take. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'll say it. I take it almost all the time. Um, but there is other play to doing other things. Absolutely. So like at the tournament, I experimented a lot against different teams. Like the first, the first one, the first match I had, I, I did the standard loadout, but um, he had an ability that accurate couldn't really wasn't really beneficial. So then you switch to mortal wounds, and then the Felgor one, like I mentioned earlier, was switching into that. And the cultist one, I had a couple weird choices I made, um, and also just taking security sometimes and not just seek and destroy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was worried Felgor could do seek and destroy better than I could, so I didn't want to like. Uh, try to go for seek and destroy mission objectives just to die and then like them score their points too uh, i found security to be fine because i could play cagier try to shoot them force uh for them to go frenzy and then you know try to go from there and that was my experience there and i got to play hierotech circle for the first time they seem like a fun team uh it's very unfortunate that for my opponent they didn't get to reanimate two turns in a row and then when they finally were able to reanimate their their leader 
I shot it out because I went first. It was all just complete luck at that end right there. But, uh, you know, I would you like to, to the emperor, again. my friend. Yeah, I, I guess I did. And I, I'd like to see Aerotech Circle again because I do feel like they have some cool plays. I'm looking uh, forward to more cool teams. That's, yeah. That's what I'm, I, yeah. I want to see what this next season holds. You know, pretty sure the, the rumor on the block is still striking scorpions and scouts. And but, orcs. Orcs later in the year. I, oh, another I, orcs? I've heard. Yeah. Oh man, it could be the savage ones. That could be uh-huh. cool, like a melee orc team. Well, yeah. like a melee orc team. A too, so. Well, the uh, the 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 savage orcs, the snake bites. Um, they're getting a Christmas set supposedly in December. So, quite possibly, maybe we might see something with uh, the Snagger Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, uh, how my tournament went? I think I played Commandos first uh, as Vet Guard and Open. And uh, it was uh, it was a good match for Vetguard, I, I think, and I won that pretty good. And I played Felgor game two on Into the Dark, which I'd never felt in control. <laughs> the Beastmen always had the upper hand. Um, it was very difficult. It's a difficult matchup. Uh, on I think they, they have, Vetguard has a chance on open, but Into the Dark, I have not figured out the way. I need to go back to some more Mandalorian training or something. Um, and uh, game game three, I played Hyrotech. I won that one. And then the final game, I played against Pathfinders and was able to take the W. So uh, I think I took third. G, I was so excited for you, man. So G was on the last, was on top table, the very last game uh, against Cultists, and I was rooting for him. You know, the squad gang coming out to represent. G was three and zero. Oh. I was like, let's go, G. Let's go. Let's go. I was so excited. Um, but you know, <laughs> cultists. <laughs> but you gotta give it. You gotta give it to 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 Anthony. He played cultist to the best of his abilities, and I feel like I played the intercession to the best of the abilities in Into the Dark, knowing what I know about them. And some some dice, you know, you just don't get it. So Absolutely, it's what happens, and you know, you just Anthony's which can Anthony's always been a great player too. So. Uh, anytime you, you match up to up into him, he's going to, he's going to give you a run for your money, no matter what team he's playing. So that sounds like a brutal matchup. Pulled this on into the dark. Yeah, it, 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 it was not, yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, against Anthony, like, well, you know, uh, yeah, good luck. I mean, sounds, wow. I yeah. did remember one thing though. And we, we both figured this out as we were playing. Um, we remembered that torments don't do mission actions. So I thought like, oh, I could lock him in a room because I already own the objective. He can't score it. Uh, so we, I tried to do that, but ultimately I died before I got to do that. And that was going to be something fun. Just trap two torments in a room. And, uh, you know, cool. That would have been, that would have been no, next level. That would have been next level. But I couldn't uh, make it. I died before I got there. <laughs> That's just the aliens the, movie. It's like the anointed. <laughs> I've always wanted to see just the anointed get locked in a room and have to be sad the rest of the game. It's uh, science my, did that once, right? Yeah, my wife did that to uh, a legionaries player at BAO. Uh, <laughs> he has beautifully painted models, but uh, the anointed was in there. And then she was like, oh, he can't do mission actions. And he was like, yeah. So she backed up and shut the door. And he was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. So you guys talking about Into the Dark reminds me about one other thing that's slightly different about the Northwest is uh, we don't play Into the Dark here. What? At all. Um, There's like no Into the Dark. Um, You you won't find it at our events. Um, You 
probably won't find too many people playing it. Like occasionally, there'll be someone talking about playing a game of Into the Dark, but generally hated. Wow, was not expecting that. I mean, like I get it. Um, I was talking to some people afterwards in general, just asking like, what do they think about certain terrain? And there's usually some kind of like contempt for Into the Dark. And I, I understand why, because when you start playing Into the Dark, it's a 2D game. You're not really playing a 3D game. But I find that at least with Into the Dark, it's a good way to teach people, like just to, to play the game, like how to play the game, save for guard and, you know. Um, but I, I could see why, like when you look at the layouts that GW makes for Into the Dark, if you play it enough, as much as I have, you start seeing lanes and it's like, all right, there's an exact pattern I have to play each time on this board. And that it gets a little boring. Um, and then it just comes down to like, who did their thing first? So I can understand why people don't like Into the Dark in its current, in its current rendition of the map layouts. I think there could be map layouts that are more interesting. Mm-hmm. And I've tried working with a few. I haven't been fully successful yet. I'm still trying to figure out what makes them work. Um, but I think you can. I think, it, you know, like people really liked Kill Team Arena when that was what that was 20. Whoa, man, what, 2018? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, so I think that the, there's two things I dislike about Into the Dark personally. And why I, besides putting it together, um, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a whole other story uh, dealing with the terrain. Another thing, it's gorgeous terrain, um, you know, but uh, I don't want to deal with it. But I don't like I don't like the mirror maps, like boring. Um, Agreed. You know, like that's that's so boring to me. I don't ever want to play on a mirrored map if I can avoid it. And then second, I don't like how guard operates that you don't have to person activating. That's just like a personal gripe. I don't think it should be like that. Um, I think it just like creates too many we- too much weirdness in the situation. Um, with it, it doesn't feel like it's supposed to. Like, oh, I saw someone run by. I'm going to shoot this guy behind me. You know, like, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it, it, that takes away from a lot of the theme. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like if you're going to do guard, it probably should just be the thing that's activating. You know, so, shooting it. Yeah. so is the reason why you guys don't, why, what is the innate reason why you guys don't play Into the Dark? I think it's the mirror maps for me is like the big one. I hate it. I don't like it. So is it just the fact that you guys don't like it or is it because I I mean, I think it's between us and also, I mean, most of the people at our events are not huge fans of it either. You know, so interesting. I I think we, I think we just agree that it makes for more fun and healthier events to only do open boards. Now, is that, is that because, that's an interesting take. I know a lot of people that uh, don't like Into the Dark, and that's it's because it was. It feels to me almost like it was released second, and people aren't wanting to change or willing to learn any new rules. And I don't necessarily know if that's true. Um, but uh, I think that's a. I think that's an interesting take. Uh, do you think that's prevalent throughout the United States? I know that. I think Kenny Roller Crit just came out on a video saying like he used to hate it and now he doesn't. Um, Spain, I can tell you, is in love with Into the Dark, uh, or at least quite a few of their top players are. Um, 
because they find it a lot more chess-like, uh, much more parody. Um, yeah, I can see that for sure. But I, I, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe it just comes down to preference, right? Where, where they see that as something that they like, I see that as something I don't like. It's you're playing the same game over and over again. Um, almost because of the limited board setups and the lanes, you know, like you were saying that it, I dislike lanes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it locks the, the game into lanes where it's no longer your operatives don't have the, the mobility to, to get to where they need to go. They're really committing to a place. And then it just comes down to dice rolls. Um, that's obviously an oversimplification, but um, no, that, I, that, I think that it's sort of feeling is my problem with it. Yeah, I, I find that viable. Sometimes uh, when I'm playing it, I realize that I committed too much to every lane when I should have focused on two lanes. Um, I think that that's uh, a very valid, very valid reason. Um, I find it interesting because, uh, you know, we had the huge open tournament and then we had a huge Into the Dark tournament. And I can tell you the reason why I'm not the biggest fan of Into the Dark for tournament organizing is because of how long it takes to set up. Uh, it's not necessarily that I don't like the way it plays as an organizer. In fact, sometimes it's sometimes easier. Um, you don't have to get on different levels. You don't have to worry about conceal and engage vantage points, stuff like that. It's a, it, in my opinion, it's a simpler game. And I also think that if kill team was released with, uh, with into the dark, um, 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 I think that anything, if into the dark was released first, I feel like we would be having a different conversation, uh, with open, but, uh, I wonder if, if that was the case, would people like kill team as much? I, I don't know if I would have been as drawn to kill team. Like, um, I think that like the, like you know, chess is like I. It's a solved game. You know what's going to happen in it. Uh, kill team, like on an open board, you don't really know. Um, I find that people that also like like uh, tabletop simulator also tend to like a lot of Into the Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find it like very exact um, versus kind of like the the messiness that is an open table, especially on Games Workshop terrain mm-hmm. with all of the little bits sticking out and everything like that. Um, I think that an open table, especially on GW stuff, uh, to a certain degree becomes a gentleman's game. You know, like you're you're having to make agreements about intention and what you're trying to do mm-hmm. um, because you can't perfectly measure through walls. So, you know, you can't stick your ruler and be like, "Oh, this wall's a uh, you know two millimeters thick," and so I'm going to adjust it like that. Yeah. Uh, whereas you you can do much more precise movement in tabletop simulator or into the dark than you can. Um, IRL. Yeah. So I have an interesting thing. Um, <clears throat> so at LVO, uh, obviously you guys know that we are, um, we are running, uh, into the dark. I apologize. Um, but one of the things that we are doing to mitigate, cause I also feel the same about some of your criticisms. It's not that I disagree with your criticisms in fact i i agree with quite a few of them um it's definitely not a perfect game state for it 
One thing that we are working on is asymmetrical into the dark layouts so that it does kind of matter what side of the map you're on. And that's pretty much the only thing that as an organizer, I can do. I'm not going to mess with any rules. Um, does that make it more, does having official asymmetric, hopefully GW comes out with some, but until that point, uh, squad games will. Do you guys have any, does that, does that help you or does that make you like maybe like into the dark a little bit more. Yes. Absolutely. I think, I think um, that would help. Um, the other thing, you know, I don't know that it would ever happen, but the, the breakable walls from, was it soul shackle? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Whichever one, like, I think something like that where rather than you can break them, but more like more paths open up on like turning point three so that now you're no longer confined to your lane uh, toward the end of the game where it matters would be the other thing that I think would help, but it's, it's basically overhauling the entire into the dark system. So I don't know that it would ever actually, you know, be possible. I think that it's doable. I think that in a games workshop, white dwarf, they came out and they said that you're allowed in competitive events. They said this somewhere. I don't remember where this is at, that competitive events could make their own maps. Competitive events could, um, competitive events could, uh, start, adding in some of the narrative pieces of terrain and a lot of people, uh, especially, um, with the kind of culture that kill team has developed is that everyone is so rules as written. If any TO tries to go outside the box and tries to be, you know, do something spicy or cool, you kind of get frowned upon and some people might not come to your event. So it makes it less exciting for you to experiment with some things um, that are not rules as written. And in some ways that's good, but in some ways I also find that being bad. I mean, obviously if we look at uh, the internal, if we look at GW's playtesting for cultists and Felgor, obviously there is something wrong there, right? Obviously they and that makes you double think double check of like hey uh this into the dark setups are these actually the best layouts that they could come up with and if so could the community make better setups because you know and then in the end like would the community accept it you know so I, I think one of the big things stopping like community maps that integrate like other pathways through you know like a blown hall uh, or wall through. or even other narrative bits yeah um other narrative bits is availability largely um you know a lot of the stuff yeah, was it's... available in a single box for one time then it came out for a narrative sprue release for i don't know 30 seconds if yeah. you're lucky to get it um and that was it like the you know i've got one set of exploded walls and that's it makes sense yeah, yeah. otherwise you have to go third party with it right Exactly. And like, that's a big pain because like it's either I have to find an STL that's compatible with all of my stuff and just print that one or print up a whole bunch of sets or, you know, buy like a whole bunch of other, other complete sets of terrain, you know, like, um, which is not feasible for everyone. Absolutely. You know, uh, terrain is probably the biggest thing I think event organizers, uh, run into having to manage. Uh, you know, it's honestly what allows us to run events in the Northwest is we have a large collection of terrain as a community. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And how does, uh, how does, how does organizing that, that terrain as a community? Cause that's something that me and Giacomo and Syed, uh, try not to do. We don't like to depend on the community, uh, so, like to be self-sufficient. How does that work for you guys? 
Well, I mean, I guess, so, primarily I own a lot of terrain, and then there's another gentleman um, in our community that has a fair amount um, that has kind of just given it to me to manage. Um, okay. So, at the, the game store that we play at, Shiv, primarily down in Kaiser, Oregon, um, I just leave all of my terrain there. So, um, I have it pre-set up into selected tables, so people can just grab a board and come over and set it up, ready to go. Oh, nice. Um, we have a very active casual scene on top of our tournament scenes. You know, on an average Wednesday, Wednesday night, we'll see anywhere from 12 to 20 people coming in and playing Kill King. So, Gee, what is your... You play a lot of narrative into the dark, a lot of four-player into the dark. Um, what is your thoughts on adding new pieces to Into the Dark, and would that add too much? I'm pretty sure that if Spain was listening to this, they'd probably strangle us all. Um, but I love it. It's awesome. Like, the little pieces you get from all the games, you can use them as light terrain, heavy terrain to create weird blockages. You can create, like, what I like to do is create little boxes of rooms that you could go into, but don't necessarily have to. And they're not usually the mirror. Because, like we mentioned earlier, it's very boring. Um, and you, you get to have almost an open experience without the 3D element, which, again, is the good way I like to introduce people to stuff and also makes it less harder when you're playing with four players. Uh, hell, even two players, because now there's not this extra element you're worrying about. And it makes the setting more interesting. So I like having little extra pieces in there. Um, though when you do it, cause I have overdone it before and I've added too much stuff in addition to all the walls, then it gets overcrowded. So Got finding it. the balance is what you need to get. But otherwise I'm, I'm totally in favor of being a radicalist and absolutely make into the dark weird. Yeah. I, I, I usually put people into two categories when I meet them and I talk kill team stuff with them. I either say, uh, are they a radical or are they a purist? Um, where do you guys fall on that? A uh, Puritan, Puritan, sorry, Puritan or a uh, radical it's Inquisition I, talk. Oh yeah, uh, I think I'm probably on the Puritan side just because, um, you know, as as not only an event organizer but the head judge, like I try to, you know, I, I want to have to give players an experience that's as close to the quote unquote correct kill team experience. Um, but that's just my personal feelings on the subject. Okay. How about you, Tyler? Uh, I think that as long as the community kind of comes together and we create something that's uh, kind of standardized or um, that we're all working on, I'm, I'm cool with it. So I'm like, I don't know, a, a moderate radical. Okay. All right. So um, I think that there's, there's a lot of room for expansion of the game beyond what Games Workshop says. Ultimately, it's what the community says about the game. Uh, you know. And speaking of Spain, like they can't even say anything if people change the game because they wrote that wacky commander's pack, like when 2018 was dying. Uh, it mm. was really solid, but like, you know, it was uh, it was all community driven rules. So if we're finding a problem with Into the Dark, um, there's no reason to change it. But again, I think that the big thing to stopping the community is just straight availability of a lot of the narrative screws. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I would definitely say that I'm 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 a Puritan. But I have lots and lots of radical thoughts. <laughs> and sometimes I act on them and sometimes I don't. Um, but uh, no, I think that this has 
really good. Is there anything else that you guys want to kind of shout out? Uh, I mean, I'd like to shout out just our next event coming up on September 9th. Uh, if you're up in the Pacific Northwest or want to travel up here for probably the best skill teams outside of the Squad Games ones, uh, you know. I appreciate that, brother. You know, we, we've got to give credit where credit's due. Hey, um, I've never been to one of yours. Your might be, yours might be better than ours. I mean, don't you know, sell yourself personally, short. Personally, I'll say that they're better. They have booze. <laughs> we don't have booze. You know, That's true. You know, we, we got alcohol, uh, you know, <laughs> so like, got out. Uh, you know, we, we got something special up here. Um, I don't really know if our scene is better than anyone else's, but I think it's something special and everyone should come out and experience it and play some kill team with us. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, September 9th, right? September 9th. Um, Cascadia. Uh, dot com. It's not updated because I work too much and I don't have time to webmaster stuff. Yeah, been there. Yep. Uh, but you can certainly hop on our Discord if you want to talk to the people in the Northwest. We have a really cool community um, of fun people. So, um, and then I want to shout out to to my fellow organizers, Greg. Um, thank you for being there from the beginning. Uh, Eric, also Max and Brandon. Um, y'all have been there from the beginning. Um, and this community wouldn't be what it is without y'all. So. Yeah, how about um, you, Greg? Yeah, definitely double shout out all the all the Kill Team Cascadia organizers. Um, Eric, who does a ton of work on the the organization level. I mean, Tyler uh, freaking kills it all the time. Um, and you know, Brandon and Max have been there from the beginning. Um, all the Cats folks. You know, we had what easily a dozen people travel you know, from out of state to go to Tacoma and, you know, to have that great showing, um, it would, you know, really, really blew me away. Um, and then also, you know, to Matt Wilhelm, he played a fantastic game and, um, you know, best of luck to him going to Atlanta with that golden ticket. Absolutely. Good luck, Matt, uh, communities behind you. And, uh, yeah. How about you, G? Well, you know, you can find me. I'm on Instagram at Wargaming Studios. And one other thing I actually want to mention is we do have an upcoming event this weekend. We do. That is the 2v2 Kill Team Tournament. That is July 29th. We're going to be doing that at Gameology in Pasadena. So if you want to get tickets, you can do so uh, by going to lessersworkshop.com and buying tickets there. And if you can't make that, we have Hammer of Wrath in August 12th as well, so you got a couple summer options for you. And of course, we wouldn't be Squad Games if we didn't talk about the All-Valley Squad Games Team Tournament. It's very true. Yeah. 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 That's September 23rd and 24th. We have uh, we have a lot of people coming to it. We have Six Sided Legion coming from Michigan. We have Orion coming, and quite a few other people coming from across the United States. The bats, I mean, you know, the cats are going to have to come represent <laughs> at some point. Uh, I would love for the cats to come it, down. We, if it it's cats that weekend, I got a wedding to go to. Oh, no, think, no worries. No I hope we can yeah. put some folks together to come down there because that would be fantastic. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, we have. I think we have nine bats, nine Kel team. We have. There's so many what people about coming. The rats, though. The, the rat, the Brooklyn rats. They're having. Uh, I, I believe that one of them was thinking of coming, but I haven't heard anything officially from from the boys. Yeah, we got to get bats. the cats, the bats, the rats together, and, and then we have to see which one reigns supreme. Uh, for me, I would like to shout out uh, all the families, the wives, our loved ones, our children who let us play these games and keep the, the hobby going. Um, you know, without these, these, uh, these people in our lives, especially being a dad, uh, you know, it would make it a lot less enjoyable. So 
thanks to everyone out there uh, who listens. And um, yeah, that'd be my shout outs. All right. And thank you both for having us on. Yeah, thanks thank for coming you. on. Always fun talking with you, Dakota. Good to hear from you again, Giacomo. Of course. Yeah, Tyler, Greg, Greg. See, you did great, man. You're awesome, man. So, um, you know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get you guys on here again. You know, talk some more, especially after some other maybe after Scream Team happens. You know, your Scream event, uh, your Halloween event. See how that goes. See how many chaos chaos cultist players come, and uh, we're gonna give away a sword. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's good. hell yeah! So, uh, I, you, I'll put it here. We were gonna do it earlier this year, uh, but. Uh, no, we're going to give away a sword to our, our seasonal champion, um, you know, so it, it's going to be a good event. That's talk. awesome. That is awesome. Shit. Now I have to go. Well, I don't know if I can, but, you know, I don't, think my, I don't let my, know if my wife would let me. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it's a sword, man. <laughs> Show her the sword. Yeah, like, it's, it's like beer. It's kill team. It's a sword. Like, good it's friend. not much better. It's not I mean, much like, better. You, you won't find anything better. That's why everyone should plan on coming out to Oregon in October. So. Exactly. Go go to their event. Um, paint up your teams. Maybe you can paint up like a bunch of commandos and paint them up as like different serial killers from yeah, different movies. Sick. Like oh you could have Michael, you have Scream. Mm-hmm. Did you, you know. see the, the orcs? Scott's orcs from Tacoma. No, I think I only saw pictures of uh, the Den of Imagination winner. I, I will have to Zach's send you photos of them uh, because they're incredibly cool. Uh, ooh, man, I think they were my favorite from the event. So, um, really cool stuff. Yeah, that's All the other cool. thing. Shout All out the hobbyists, man. Hobbyists. Yeah, you know, that's why you go. Do you go? You get to see these awesome things, and you get to talk about them forever. You know, like Bao. We had. Uh, we had. We had. You know, we had so many good people come out to every event, and that's what's exciting about these things is seeing these great painters come out and relive some of the passion for the game. You know, and some of their ideas too. Like you know, it's it's far out, and I really like it. Yeah. But yeah, send us those pictures. Uh, post them on the the Squad Games Discord uh, so everyone can see them when this, especially when this drops on uh, on Tuesday. And uh, you know, until then, guys, uh, we're out. See ya. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.